Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Friday morning to you. Mike McNamara for a Friday edition of All Marine Radio. Right here on your home for it. The All Warrior Radio Network. Hope uh, you had a good week. In spite of all the news that we're all watching here. And, uh, you know, we're in into March, right? Yeah. Spring is not too far away for most parts of the country. So, you got that going for you. Yeah. Especially up in cold weather country, man. March is important because you begin to see signs that warm weather will come back. So, anyway. Uh, good morning. Uh, Tim and Will will join me today. Jeff still in a traveling status because of his mother's birthday this week. So, uh, yeah, Jeffrey being the good son that he is. So we'll check the news real quick, and then we'll, we'll get to uh, Will and uh, and Tim and talk about things and uh, that the world is watching, you know, yesterday. So uh, it is Friday, and uh, normally on Friday, uh, Whitney Houston sings the national anthem, and today should be no exception, and it's not going to be. So, uh, without further ado, Whitney Houston sings the National Anthem.
And once again this week um, is dedicated to the Ukrainian military today. Um, God bless you. As I've said before, happy hunting, right? Get after them, right? We're all rooting for you. And uh, also, you know, I, I, I just want to say to all, all the companies around the world that have, uh, have kind of stood up for what's right, um, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, you're going to have a much more difficult decision when it comes to China. Much more money at stake. And I would just encourage you not be afraid to do the same thing. Okay? Because your support throughout all of this is important. And uh, so congratulations on what you've done this week. And when, uh, when somehow or other the aiming point turns and China becomes the focus of this, which it absolutely escaped um, after what it did in Hong Kong, don't be afraid to act with as much, um, with the same swiftness and the, the same um, standards and apply them to the Chinese. So, with that said, this is dedicated to businesses around the world, but mostly the Ukrainian military. Good luck. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. That is so good. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And so our major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win.
you gotta win. All right, we'll check the weather. We'll check some news headlines, and then Will and and, uh, Tim will join me. Currently, it is sunny in 37 at Marine Corps Base Quantico, Virginia. Down the coast at Cherry Point, sunny in 54. 29 Palms, partly sunny, 55. Pendleton, raining in 52. Pendleton has three weather alerts, so you know we got to check that out. Gale warning issued. So you know if there's a gale warning, there's got to be a small craft warning, right? High surf advisory and a small craft warning. From Friday until Sunday. So some weather moving through Southern California. That's what that's about. Um, Let's see. Camp Smith, dark clear in 62. Okinawa is dark cloudy 69 in Darwin it is dark cloudy in 83 in Frankfurt Germany it is cloudy in 38 late in the day they're nine hours ahead so what is that about five in the afternoon yeah I did the math in my head right there that's what that's why it took so long uh, currently in the Costa Mesa Newport Beach area of Southern California it is partly sunny and 55 yeah the uh, weather today not so much here in Southern California chance of rain. Looking for a high of 61. Now looking for a high of 63 with a 70% chance of rain today. 60 degrees tomorrow with blowing winds. Not so much a chance of rain. 62 on Sunday, 69 on Monday, 69 on Tuesday. That's the look at your weather. Um, Top headline, Stars and Stripes. Um... Top headline is U.S. paratroopers in Poland largely hidden from view. Uh, those paratroopers belong to the 82nd Airborne. And um, uh, pretty motivational photo on, on in Stars and Stripes of a bunch of them in camouflage, sniper rifles and shit like that. So, so um, that's going on. Uh, other stories you might be interested. Um, Pentagon establishes communication line with Russians amid war in Ukraine. Now, this has been discussed about a deconfliction line so there would be no misunderstanding relative to military incidents and escalation. So uh, that had been, <coughs> excuse me, brought up and the Russians dismissed it. Um, this, this article appears in Stars and Stripes, but it was written by Dan Lamoth of the Washington Post. Russia's invasion began with precision missiles, but weapons are changing as the siege war begins. The shift comes as Pentagon assesses the Russian as pivoting to siege warfare in the cities of Kharkov, Chernihiv, and also in Kiev. Such tactics are notoriously horrifying, trapping civilians under fire as an invading force encircles the city and prevents food, ammunition, and medical supplies from entering. 
Military analysts said that Russians' initial battle plan appeared nonsensical and haphazard with Russian soldiers launching a ground invasion after a brief bombardment that primarily struck military targets but failed to knock out all Ukrainian air defenses. Invading forces operating with little logistical support and air cover appeared to expect little resistance but instead have clashed with Ukrainian military units in bloody fights. Russian commanders appear to be reconsidering their approach. Quote, I'm seeing reorganization, said Michael Kaufman, a director of of Russian studies at CNA, a Virginia-based think tank. Quote, they're coalescing into larger units, they're pulling up logistics, and they're starting to use more artillery and air power. A senior U.S. defense official speaking on the condition of anonymity to discuss the Pentagon's current assessments affirmed Tuesday that it appears that Russia is regrouping. Russian forces have begun frequent use of multiple rocket launch systems that can employ unguided cluster munitions. They've also used thermobaric bombs or thermobaric rounds, made at least one flight with an Su-34 bomber So again, Russian military units switching to siege tactics and you're watching really a pause as they begin to reassess um, what hasn't gone well by all accounts for them. Again, in the first eight, nine, eight and a half, nine days of, of this campaign, one Ukrainian city has fallen. That wasn't the plan. That was not the plan. And, and again, nothing's going to change anytime soon. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Top headline is Russia's shelling of Ukrainian nuclear plant sparks alarm. You think? Amazing, right? Amazing. Next headline in Wall Street Journal in Ukraine, city recalls the last Russian occupation as a sea of bodies. And the city's name is Slovenyansk, was seized in 2014. And they talk about um, what the Russians did in that city. Um, In economic news, February hiring strongest since this past summer. So, signs that the economy is attempting to recover. That's a good thing. A um, couple of opinion pieces I would point your attention to in the Wall Street Journal. One is China, uh, written by the editorial board, and that is China's bad Ukraine war. So again, China, right, the enabler, right, of Russia and uh, being taken to task for. Um, so, But we'll see how far that goes. Right, we'll see how far that goes because again, we 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 talked about it earlier this week. If you know Germany was compromised by Russia and their energy relationship, what is the United States? How how much is the United States compromised by its you know its economic dependence on China? And at some point, at some point, that's going to have to be looked at. From USNI News, um, the Navy has recovered the crashed 
F-35C from the depths of the South China Sea. That was an important thing to do. And uh, let me tell you, the Navy does amazing stuff. And, and finding that at that depth, recovering, right, what they needed to recover out of that so it did not fall into somebody else's hands, important stuff. Um, Marine Corps Times. A couple of headlines. What a Ukrainian cannon on a bridge might tell us about what happened here. Story by Phil Athley, who writes for Marine Corps Times. In the desperate fighting around Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine, in the very first days of the Russian invasion, a Ukrainian artillery crew may have faced off with Russian armored vehicles advancing on a hotly contested bridge outside the city. Though Kherson fell into Russian hands on Wednesday, the defenders of the city, possibly including one brave howitzer crew, played a significant role in slowing down the Russian advance. Um, just so you know, I mean, some of the most effective um, anti-armor fires during the Second World War were um, German 88-millimeter howitzers, accurate guns. Um, Germans had them everywhere. And they used to, I mean, used in the anti-armor, you know, capacity, right? Um, top five stores in early bird. Number one, fire out at Ukraine nuclear plant after Russian attack. No radiation was released. So this 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 plant is in the southeast part of the country, and we'll we talk about it a little bit. So, um, but again, I mean, come on, like what in the hell? Uh, next, White House seeks a new ten billion Ukraine fund, with half of that for the Pentagon. Uh, so again, White House responding. Uh, Defense Department to expand gun safety efforts in attempt to reduce military suicide. Good luck on that. Um, Pacific Air Force bosses boss watching like a hawk for a ta Taiwan invasion. Um, I've met General Wilsbach, and uh, talks about um, now watching China, right, in light of what Russia's doing. So, and again, and then the, the fifth story is F-35C crashed into the Carl Vinson and then into the South China Sea recovered. Uh, operational headlines. Um, the city of Lviv in western Ukraine is turning its factories into improvised weapons centers. So, and you've seen stories like this on the, in the news, right? Um, the Ukrainian people turning to defending their nation. Next story comes from Army Times. Ukraine receives more armed drones amid Russian invasion. So, again, looking for some indication that these things are going to get employed, um, along with the Stinger missile, which is, you know, the Stingers are no shit. 
you know, game changer in the air, right? Uh, Secretary of State Blinken meets with NATO allies in Brussels today, right? So that's going on. Next story from military.com. Putin overestimated Russia's military in Ukraine. And that is according to the Air Force Secretary. Let me just see if there's anything in this update that I would tell you. And there is not. So, without uh, further ado, joining me on uh, on a Friday here on All Marine Radio are my friends, the Mensa Brothers. It's Friday, and uh, in what could be only, I guess, described as uh, an unusual week in world history. A week that, uh, as you look back on it, um, some of the things that have happened, uh, some of the statements from Germany, statements from Japan, um, watching the business community do things that you'd never thought they would do. Um, so it's Friday. So uh, this is normal Mensa Brother Day. And uh, joining me from... I mean, a little bit of a quandary because Jeff isn't here and he's, he, he relishes in going first. Um, but joining me from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, how are you? Hey, I'm fine, Mac. And I don't mind going first either. That's kind of, it's kind of, I feel special. Well, you don't, I mean, you don't have the vanity factor that, you know, <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey has. So, um, so I don't really worry about it. And a man who has no vanity, William Costantini. Will, how are you? Mac, I am great. It's uh, 38 degrees here, heading to 72. <laughs> yeah. Today. That's what. That's what. Today. Uh, today. Well, today it, and snow in the forecast on Monday. Oh. So. Yeah. You can't beat it, and the snow will be around for about what nine, ten hours, something like that, and then it'll be gone. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe 24. Maybe twenty. Yeah, who knows? How about the weather in How about the weather in beautiful McAllen, Texas? What is uh, if if I were to come be a tourist in McAllen, what would I go see? Um, You'd have to go see the MRE production facility, right? The MRE production facility for sure. You want to see that? You want to you want to go down to the to the the International Bird and Butterfly uh, area. Right. And uh, and and get an earful from them about the damn border wall because they just put it up right behind them, so you, you can see the border wall. You want to go down to the Rio Grande Park right there on the river and watch a watch an evolution of uh, of, of of migrant processing. That's always an amusing thing to do. And there's a cool bar that's right there on the on the on the border that uh, is open sometimes at night. And they and and that's a lot of fun to hang out at too because you drink beer. and Every once in a while, people kind of wander in out of the uh, swamps, but um, no, I'm kidding. It's not that. It's it's not that bad. That one <laughs> bar I'm talking about is cool, but uh, there's also a, a, a many a religious shrine and SpaceX. I mean, when you drive down to watch where they launch those rockets from, what? Th- those rockets are a stone throw away from the road because it's in a swamp. I mean, it's they've built a pad that that you drive right through the center of the facility. Getting to the beach that's there by the where the Rio Grande empties into the Gulf. That's where and that, it's that's, amazing. That's where SpaceX launches from. Right, right from there. Yeah, they've got to close the, the road and empty out the the park because there's an ocean. There's a. Um, Why did uh, I think they launched that, launched out of Florida? 
because everybody no, they, they are they are going to be launching out of Florida apparently but they but they all the launches they've done to date um they come out of here in Texas because we're the furthest south closest to the equator of any place in the continental US that's why it's there oh really that's why it's there yeah. uh-huh oh why, yeah that's why exactly. is it good to launch near the equator because Elon Musk says it's good to launch on the equator. I heard him nah, say that on smart Joe Rogan's show. He's that's a, all you need to help. He's a smart right dude, man. He, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The, um, most disappointingly, though, this this influx of highly talented California uh, has not resulted in any uh, migration of a, of a decent sushi chef at anywhere in the valley. It's the most <laughs> most discouraging. It's the one thing I was looking well, forward what's, to. What's odd is that, I mean, I don't care what restaurant you go in, in the I don't know, in in much of the certainly Western and certainly the Southwestern part of the country, if they're yeah. cooking Greek food, it's Hispanics, okay? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, oh, absolutely. If they're cooking Chinese food, it's Hispanics, okay? So yeah. why are they not, what's the problem taking up the art of sushi if there's a nickel to be made in it? I, I, I don't know. Everything you get here comes out of this Komori, which is a gigantic chain, and it tastes like gas station sushi. And you don't want gas station sushi, right? No, you got to be pretty. De- they, you got to be pretty there, desperate for that. There was a guy in Corpus. Although I get some restaurant. of the, when I travel on the country and and on a base, commissaries have gas station sushi, but it's a, it's yeah. upgraded from gas station sushi. It's not straight gas station yeah, sushi. Commentaries, you know, federal government they don't they don't tolerate a whole lot of nonsense at the federal level. Actually, that's right. You know, but when actually, you when you visit actually here, they man, do. I don't know if you, how much you've watched the federal government, but actually they do. Yeah, I mean, as far as sushi quality and whatnot, they got a lot of rules. <laughs> they got rules on stuff. But the 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 place to go when you come here, my friend, yes. is the Japanese Peruvian restaurant, which is right down the road from me. That the Japanese Peruvian. Dude, how many Japanese fishermen have washed up on the shores of Peru because of typhoons over history? I mean, there's hundreds. I mean, they've been doing that for hundreds of years. What? So, Don't you remember the, the president of Peru right, was, was of Japanese, Japanese descent Absolutely. when they were fighting the Shiny Path? That's right. The Japanese are a gigantic uh, minority in Peru. Well, Always wait a minute. And isn't the movie – what's the movie about the the tiger, right? Uh I thought it was a fucking the guy on the raft in the Pacific. Yeah, I thought it was a Disney movie, right? So I asked Colleen, "Do you want to go see this movie?" And it has kind of like a marquee thing about um it has a marquee thing um about that looks like kind of Lion King esque. Hmm. What's it? Will what's the title of the movie? Anyway, I, I don't, I don't remember. I, I never I, saw I, it, but I, I do remember it made so, a big splash. Oh my God! So we're watching it, and it's ba- it starts in India, I think, or I think it starts in India, and then the family owns a zoo, and they put all the animals on a boat, and they're going, I think, to South America, maybe, and then they get hit there, they get stuck in a high typhoon, and the the ship sinks, and this kid winds up on a boat with a tiger, and a hyena. And a bear or some shit like that. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, let me tell you. But everybody's dying, right? And I think it's a Disney movie. So Colleen and I, Colleen's like 10 or 11. <laughs> we go in here. And so the kid, when they have the zoo as the movie opens, he's fucking around near the lion. And the father, to teach him a lesson, gathers the family, the mother, his other brother, and a sister, and him, the youngest kid. And, and they're standing kind of down the hallway, um... There's a, a graded door that leads into the tiger enclosure. And he ties a small goat to the, to the grate. And they all stand back. 
So he's trying to teach his son a lesson. And the fucking tiger devours. And I'm sitting there, I think this is a Disney movie, right? Right? And I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, what the fuck? What the fuck kind of Disney movie is this? And then it gets worse, right? They're on the raft. People are fucking dying. And, and then the fucking tiger tries to eat the hyena, the fucking bear attack. I mean, it's just crazy shit. I'm like, this is what kind of, I'm like, what the fuck? And Colleen's sitting next to me with her hands over her face. And she says, can I go to the bathroom? And I said, yeah. She's in the bathroom for like 15 minutes. And I text her. I'm like, where are you? She goes, I don't want to come out. I don't want to come out and watch that movie. And I'm like, all right, we'll leave. So then I look it up. It's not a fucking Disney movie. And then the guy washes ashore, I want to say in Peru or someplace. For, for, well, wait a second. How did they, and, so what happened? Did they, everybody, did they reach everybody, a every, everybody dies. The guy survived. <laughs> and... Oh, Oh, shit. And and Mac wonders why he was never nominated for Father of the Year. Yeah, <laughs> I should be. I'm a fucking great dad. The um, other than the fact that you put your daughter into therapy for thirty years. No, let me. Hey, let me just tell you. You, you want to hear a quality parenting story? Because it just sure. happened within the last forty eight hours, and I shouldn't say this because I kind of probably am telling too much about my daughter Colleen. Colleen went to work at a, at a at a Greek restaurant that has Mexican cooks. I don't know about six or seven months ago with this advice you get your ass there five minutes early you make sure your clothes are cleaned and ironed you have a smile on your face and you work your ass off got it right you're polite to people and when there's nothing to do you clean okay colleen is now the highest paid employee at this restaurant okay wow yeah so she sends me a text the other night at about nine o'clock right all caps Guess who just got a motherfucking raise? <laughs> no, we're not supposed to laugh at that. Right? I know we're not. It's inappropriate, right? But no, 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 I'm like, she might be my how do you, she might be my daughter. Um, and she says, and I text back, Catherine? Question mark. <laughs> she says, No, me. I'm like, Come on, get out of town. Um, but you know, there's a simple, the bar is so low in humankind right now, five minutes early, yeah. close clean, and then clean when you're not working, you'll be the CEO of the company within like two years. That's how, and, and, and let me tell you, Colleen rules the roost down there. She's figured out that, you know, having a little bit of personality and also here's another tip. Wearing a Marine Corps hat when you go to work as a girl creates a lot of conversation. Oh. You a Marine girl? You come? Yeah, my dad, my brothers, all Marines. Oh, really? And she, and then the, and if they're Marines, they'll ask you like, well, what they do? And they were like, oh yeah, they were men. They were all infantry officers. And then, and then most of the time, like they get this reaction from whoever she says it to, like, oh my God, you're you're even gonna talk shit about it? Wait, what's that noise? That's my dog <laughs> drinking her water. Oh my god! I felt like I was like in her esophagus right there. What the fuck? It's a great microphone I have. I know That's shit, a, man. What are you doing, pop? <laughs> I, I guess I had my thumb over the camera. Sorry. No, we saw. We saw. Her. We saw. We, we saw. It. Oh, all right. We saw. Her. No, you know what those microphones do? They they ambient. They, they amplify, <clears throat> like all kinds of ambient sound as opposed to something that would be directly in front of them. And so, I mean, the same thing with your little headset microphone. I mean, people, you'll be walking or something and they're just like, what is all that noise? It's like, 
Yeah, there's an airplane that went by, and and you heard it like it was like strafing us and shit like that. So, one and and you can't adjust them, which is, which bothers me. There should be a software setting that you could go to and and adjust the type of microphone pattern you have from wide to narrow. Now that's probably over both your fucking heads, especially I just since checked mine. Make sure I was on narrow. I know, but you, really, your challenge is to make sure that yours is on, right? I can't figure out why I shut my microphone off and you guys can still hear me. Oh, yeah, no. I didn't know anything about that. So I didn't even know I had a microphone on this headset until, until I checked. I was like, what the hell? How can this External be? microphone. Yeah, no, I'm oh, on it. I just checked again. I'm on the Yeti, bro. boy. I'm ready to go. All right. Let's, rest of the let's talk about world events, Tim. Um, you're on. Okay, starting off, not, not a whole hell of a lot. Starting off with what's interesting to me uh, and working our way in, four Russian warplanes violated Swedish airspace on Wednesday and were chased out. I've got to point out to you that that's not the first time that's happened. It's not exactly normal, but it's not abnormal. It's just a given in the heightened tensions of, of today, shit like that becomes important. What also is important was last night was... Uh, uh, Presidente Putin placed a call to Emmanuel Macron, uh, after which uh, Mr. Macron was uh, gave us the following pearl of wisdom, which is, it's going to get worse. And so, not good that it was Putin who made the call. Not good that it's going to get worse. And uh, you know, the, but there, there it is. So going back um, to the Wall Street Journal, got a got. We're now at the we're now at the point in the information campaign where we're getting lots of background stories to include a beautiful pictorial of Russian oligarch lifestyle lifestyles, in which they show us a picture of Mr. Uzmanov's six hundred million dollar super yacht Dilbar, which was seized in Germany, and uh, there's also another picture of another guy's um, Igor Sechin, the chief of a, he's an oil guy, Rosenneft. He's got a 280-foot yacht that the French uh, sees, but that looks like a piker compared to the other one. So that gives you an idea of how expensive these things are, which leads us into what are some possible options for Russia. Now, Wall Street Journal also has a paper on China and Russia's previous cooperation to avoid trading in dollars in order to not make the in order to try to buck the trend of dollar being the de facto currency on which you got to deal with. Now, so they've got ways the Russians and Chinese do of moving money between their banks. Apparently what China is said is they're not going to help out this time with Russia uh, using the same financial system that they used in the past in order to avoid using dollars in their transactions between their companies. So these, uh, in other words, the direct quote from the article was Chinese financial institutions are taking these sanctions seriously and very, being very careful about and understanding what risks are. And so they're not going to be able to help out their Russian counterparts. Interesting, if true, you know, that's, that's, that's something we'd like to see. And then um, also in the, in, in going a little bit out of the bailiwick here, but the human interest stories front page wall street journal, again, has a picture of a Lieutenant who was wounded on an attack in an airfield described, basically give them the credit for holding this airfield and, and blunting part of the invasion. Uh, but as you read through the article, it was a pretty amateurish affair. Um, the, you know, they, they, got, they didn't understand their weapon system. They didn't need to try to sneak over the wall into the airfield to shoot goddamn stingers, which they ultimately did from outside the airfield, but the planes never came, et cetera, et cetera. But as you read through this and you see what a lieutenant 
on a on a territorial uh, force. It sounds like how they fed people into the fight at this airfield and and a rather amateurish attempt to to just sneak an entire goddamn platoon over the wall in the middle of the daytime. It's uh it's it's weird. It's not it, but I mean, stand up guy. He bought all those guys out except for one. And uh, the you know for what it's worth, it appears that they may have in fact uh, blunted part of the aviation uh, the plan to, to to use that as an air bridgehead to bring in follow-on forces. At least that's what's implied in the article. I just found it interesting that the first in-depth description of the Ukraine's in action here was this particular vignette, which uh, I'm not trying to be a dick or anything, but I think if you read it yourselves, you'd say, yeah, that's, that's pretty silly shit. You know, you could have could avoided all that by just using your damn weapons to the way they were designed. And that's about that's you know other than the, the the other than the attack on the largest nuclear power station in the world, which the media has reminded us yet again is another violation of international law. Not a whole lot else going on except for we're getting into this human interest part. And I noticed in the gym this morning that ABC guy with the buffant, he's doubled down. He's got a little bit of dust in his hair now, so he's he's hard, he's going hardcore. In, in the morning, I'm sorry, I know I'm sounding like I'm crazy, but I watch these guys in the morning and I swear to God they're in competition. That ABC guy is an amusing fellow, but I don't know what he's saying because I don't have the volume on. But it's my morning entertainment is watching them. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, podcast. they know careers get made. You know, you look at, you know, guys who dominated the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s in, in television journalism. Where do they get their start? Vietnam. Covering, we can you see know, if they don't show up with a Kalashnikov as this thing gets worse. Right, <laughs> and you see the weather guys do that all the time, standing out there and doing stupid stuff. It's like, dude, one stray stop sign flying through the air, right, does away with your head. Like, are you are you savvy to that? Do you not do you not understand the physics of that? And I guess they don't. Yeah, yeah that that Weather Channel guy is the only action emergency reporter guy who's not parachuted into that place yet. If he shows up, <laughs> holy shit. That's always like the sign of bad news, but uh, but yeah, and that's that's that pulling what's interesting out of what's what's going on. Um, you know, all eyes are focused on what's happening inside the country right now. The outside the stuff. Well, let's talk. I mean, obviously, what what you said bleeds into what I would brief in terms of operations. Right. Let me just give right. you the five five overnight or five last twenty four hours. Russian forces have seized the largest nuclear plant in Europe. Okay. And that's after shelling it. The besieged city of Maripol, we talked about yesterday, right, in the southeastern part of the country, is still under attack overnight, but has yet to be taken by the Russians. Russian forces are in control of the key southern town of Kyrgyzstan, so that has not changed. The northern city of Chernihiv has now come under fire, but reports of casualties are unclear. And then there are reports of the eastern city of Sumy, has been surrounded by Russian troops. So again, not a whole lot of, of movement. But when you look at maps, okay, it's kind of interesting. You look at, if you look at a map of the last 24 hours, everything is pretty, um, they're masses of, of uh, you don't see any Blitzkrieg-like arcing arrows, right? It's masses of red. On, on the fringe of Ukraine, right? In the north, in the east, and in the southeast, okay? Except out of Kyrgyzstan, going up to the northwest is this ray, okay? And that is where, if you look on Google Earth, that is where the nuclear power plant is. So I guess my question 
is, um, and it the city is Zaporizhia, something like that. So you launch a special operation to go shell a nuclear power plant. What is is it is it is it to shut down power in the country? Is that the you know? Because you don't have to shell the plant to to take it over. I mean, what the fuck? What do you what what do you all make of this? Is it, you know, is it war on the infrastructure right now to bring them to their knees in the middle of winter quicker? Um, and then I don't even know that is it just a Russian stupid thing that that they shell the plant? Yeah, I I saw something. I read something, and I think the uh, International Atomic Energy put something out. You know, I, yeah, I think the idea is you cut the power off to the whole country. And I don't know if that thing feeds power into whatever European grid there is either. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's some of that. There's probably a little bit of terror going on there. But I think the IAEA, the, the one reactor that got shelled apparently wasn't even active. It shut down. Um, and the risk of containment is pretty low. And then, you know, you see a headline radiation uh, levels increasing or radiation escapes. And then the IAEA says uh, the radiation level may have increased, but it's still below normal background radiation levels. So there's a big time propaganda on both sides of this going on. Um, It would seem like a legitimate military target if you're invading someone's country to take over their biggest source of electricity. Uh, and then I think a lot of the shit on top of that is exactly that shit. So, you know, the stupidity it, it, on the Russian side is, is, is one, it's, it's not too difficult to take over a power station for Christ's sakes when you got an entire battalion plus behind you. Um, more than that, no doubt. Uh, but they'll allow this 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 uh, potential catastrophe. It's going to be exaggerated. You know, the Chernobyl incident resulted in a massive amount of exposure to the surrounding population that did increase uh, uh, some kind of thyroid problems within the population. But their total exposure was less than you would get if you lived in in in, uh, um, in Colorado and you know in Denver. You get more more radiation up there because of the height. So the radiation itself is not really a threat, but it can be used by our media and our politicians and everybody else to hype it as another threat to point another finger at the Russians and say, what the hell are you people thinking you're going to kill us all? Um, when in fact it was just an inadroit seizure of, of what would be a legitimate military, military target. But why you'd want, I mean, and who knows what the shelling did. They may not have, have shellacked it, Knowing full well they want to keep it in operation, I don't know. But but also, what is shelling? What is shelling? Did someone (laughs) shoot a fifty cal round at it, and that turns into shelling? Right. I I went through a bunch of images today because I haven't looked at anything, and I'm not sure I saw a single one where the caption was accurate. Military equipment, you know, size of forces, etc. And so when someone says shelling. You know, we're thinking uh, uh, Battalion 6, fire for <laughs> effect, you know, 155, uh, and uh, repeat 
kind of a thing. That's shelling, right? I have no idea, right? How much shelling could there have been if it's a if it's a Russian armored column? You know, how, how much artillery self-propelled are they carrying with them to go up there and shell a place? It just that's what I mean. I, I yeah no. Again. The reporting is problematic. Point. That's a good damn point. That's a oh, great. No, 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 and that's why every, everything you read, right? I mean, to say you have to take it with a grain of salt, um, <clears throat> you know, you watch reports and then you you, you wait. Um, I'll give you, here's a report out of Newsweek. Uh, Major General Andrei Sukhorovsky, Deputy Commander of the 41st Combined Arms Army, was killed by the Ukrainian Army. That's according to Newsweek. Uh, President Zelensky. By sniper, right? Um, I, I didn't. I, I that's what I saw. Right. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, sniper. Yeah. That's all. That's an. That's a whole other mythology thing. I mean, I, I hope it was true. I, don't get me wrong, but that's a good. That's a good way to go. Right. Sniping them. Uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky requested direct talks with Vladimir Putin. Um, posts surrounding Ukraine reported reduced wait times at border crossings. So this is refugee war flow stuff. Um, out of the country. An, Esto- an Estonian cargo ship reportedly sunk in the Black Sea after hitting a naval mine off the coast of Odessa. Four crew members are missing. Uh, the Bangladeshi-flagged vessel was reportedly hit by a Russian missile near Mykolaiv, killing the engineer. A second vessel outside of Odessa was reportedly shelled by Russian forces. Um, let's see... Russia has taken reciprocal action against many air carriers and closed their airspace to the to 42 countries. So take that. Yeah, that means that quarter of, of flights that are logistics in nature now going the long way. Right. Good time to own fuel fuel companies in uh, Anchorage. Right, right, right. Um, and then one one more thing. Um, and this is under the guise of international reactions, right? Russia's invasion of Ukraine has profoundly changed Europe's security outlook, including for Nordic neutral countries. I mean, historically, since World War II, Finland and Sweden, uh, where support for NATO has surged to record level in recent days. And then the other thing that, that you're reading more and more about, and, and you've seen this back and forth, with, whether Belarus forces right, have relieved Russian forces on, the, on their border so that Russian forces can move into Ukraine, or if Belarusian forces, Belarus forces are actually participating, and you see more and more reporting that says Belarus forces are actually participating in the fighting. So um, anyway, so that's uh, from the operation side. Um, the biggest thing yesterday, obviously, was what Timmy referenced in terms of the shelling of a of a nuclear plant, and uh, everything else seems to be more or less status quo um, with that exception. So, Will? Yeah. I, Tim, you had something? Go ahead. I, I just wanted to, I, I forgot the most important part of the story I relayed about that uh, Ukrainian lieutenant, and that was he was inserted into that airfield, which was an auxiliary airfield, by helicopter. He, uh, he, he was able to extract himself when an armored-bound force came to, to attack from a different direction and relieve the pressure on him and evacuated by a third force which showed up into civilian cars. So this is day one of the, of the operations. Day one of, of, uh, of the invasion, the Ukrainians were still in certain platoons and helicopters. I, I, 
that was a significant part of the story that I forgot as I was trying to relay tactfully the fact that they sort of fucked it all up after they got out of the helicopter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a couple of things that I saw that I thought were interesting. Uh, you know, the president's chief of staff came out pretty demonstrably and said, we're not going to sanction the Russian petroleum industry. We don't want to harm the U.S. economy while we try and harm the Russian uh, economy. And, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of people on both sides of the aisle all up in arms about us still importing Russian oil. Um, so interesting. And also we'll see how long that they hold out with that. Um, item two, you see a lot of businesses are now voluntarily cutting their connections to Russia to include the petroleum industry in anticipation of some sort of sanction. They don't want to be holding a cargo of Russian oil that they paid for that all of a sudden gets sanctioned and they can't refine. They'll just take a loss on it. So oil is up about 3% this morning. Gas is up about 2.7%. Uh, I paid, or I saw a sign yesterday, I didn't, I didn't stop. Uh, diesel in Missouri was 4.25 a gallon yesterday. Yep. And Missouri is usually cheap. It has lower taxes than here in Kansas. Um, I think the cheapest state to buy gas in the country is Oklahoma. Um, but Missouri is always cheap. And when diesel's at four and a quarter, the same diesel that I put in my car is the diesel that goes into all those trucks. And I'm driving, I'm driving to New York on Sunday. I'm interested to see gas prices in Illinois, which is typically high, not California high, but high. Uh, but when you're going down I-70 and there's literally thousands of trucks every day, if diesel's pushing four fifty-five dollars, all that stuff goes into every single thing you buy. The you know the final mile gets moved on a truck, which is pumping diesel. Uh, item three, just on the propaganda side, today I saw, um, and I I did not write down who said it, but they talked about Ukrainian Western-style democracy under assault by Russian communism, okay? Ukraine in no way, shape or form is a Western style democracy, but the propaganda is strong out there. Um, I saw that Lindsey Graham called for the assassination of Vladimir Putin. That's absolutely directly against stated US policy uh, that we do not assassinate foreign leaders. And it, um, you know, that's Lindsey Graham, unfortunately, playing amateur hour foreign policy. Um, it, uh, we should not be on the record in supporting that. And if we want to assassinate a foreign leader, we should just go and do it. We shouldn't have people that are known around, around the world announcing that as being a good idea. Just not helpful going into the future. And the last thing I'll say is I spent a half hour today digging around and clicking on different things and just trying to figure out the angle on all of this. Um, I have great sympathy for the average Ukrainian over there. 
Vladimir Putin is absolutely the bad guy in this. Um, but it's a hell of a lot more complex than uh, all of a sudden everyone wants to put a blue and yellow flag on their Twitter feed and Facebook page. And I stand with Ukraine. I mean, I get an email every day from uh, an online ammunition sales company. And the first banner on the email was how they're donating a million rounds of ammunition to the Ukrainians. NASCAR guy, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I it's, it's absolutely insane. And again, the people who truly, if we actually cared about this kind of stuff, the people in Hong Kong are the ones that we should have been out beating the band for, right? They had, an, uh, they had a constitution, they had a treaty, they had law, they were known as being a very transparent, democratic uh, place that the Chinese went in and absolutely brutalized. Uh, the Ukrainians, um, again, not known as being, well, they might be a Chicago-style democracy, if you know what I mean. I don't think what is, that they're what, in the, what it, Could you elaborate on that? What exactly does Chicago, is it like Chicago-style pizza? What is Chicago? Like, yeah, <laughs> like uh, what is Chicago? Uh, corruption, uh, mafioso. You saw that the, uh, the, the former speaker of the Illinois House was just indicted for basically racketeering. Again, uh, another, yeah, another like, one. Why is Dan Rostenkowski coming to mind right now? Yeah, uh, you know, so um, anyways, the propaganda is strong, um, but we should have faith. We're going to send Kamala Harris on a world tour so she can explain. And did we talk about this, her discussion the other day? Uh, not not on this, we, we, not on we, this station, not, not on this channel. Okay, you know, you've seen the thing where people are making fun of her because she said Russia's a big country, Ukraine's a small country. So there's two angles to this that are interesting to me. You know who she was, you know the thing that I'm talking about? No. Yeah. Okay. You know who she was talking to? Some podcast dude. No, black radio station. Uh, that's a, yeah, yeah. So think about it. Is she talking down to the audience because they're not too smart? Well, that's racist. Or is she just not that smart and that's her absolute understanding of the situation? Russia's a big country. Ukraine's a small country. I mean, <laughs> that's who we got out there right now. Pray for Joe Biden. Pray for Joe Biden's safety. Oh, I mean, fuck. That was your cue for God damn it. I haven't what said is it your in a while. <laughs> and, you, and, you're, and you were like flummoxed over saying the word fuck. Like who, uh. what, have you, what have you become? Is this, are, you, are you struggling? This is, is this a cry for help? We are doomed. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, I, it, what, what disturbs me, the, the great cry for help, the, the word doomed, is how we have swallowed this. And people in this country have no idea. All right. Are we going to go to nuclear war over it? Uh, I don't think so. But... We just attempted to destroy the economy 
in our way of life because of COVID. When, when your home heating bill and your gas bill starts heating up 10, 15, 20% of the budget for blue collar people making 50 grand a year. I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. And we're going to rage against the oil companies and we're going to do all this stupidity. Um, what are you but willing you know, you know to will, sacrifice? You know what, Will, that, that whole thing that normally goes with increased oil prices, right? And, and that is absent from, completely absent from the discussion right now, interestingly enough, right? Because when you get to that discussion, it goes right away to, I think, the truth, which is this is a policy decision made by this administration. And um, I, I, again, I think that, I mean, and they defended it in, the last, in, in this last week, his State of the Union address and all that, that, you know, there's better choices to make. We don't want the American taxpayer to, you know, to, to be punished and whatnot. Um, and so, uh, in my opinion, um, it'll be, again, I'm not much, a, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a shitty political predictor, but you know what? You can't bullshit right the country and they know it's like look yeah i got it you want to be green but we ain't there yet and and you're forcing us to try to be something we're not and i'm paying for it on a monthly basis and i can't afford it so you you got to fucking go you got to fucking go and so um but it's interesting because that narrative isn't there because normally the the oil company companies are vilified and and i i haven't seen i haven't seen an article since you when you just mentioned it that is that is screaming about that. It's not the oil companies, so it'll be interesting um, because. It, and again, I, I, it goes back to me to the state that we find the nation in, and that is, you cannot compromise in Washington D.C. anymore. And because you can't compromise, and there's this wall between, uh, right down the center of the bell curve, right between moderate Democrats and and moderate Republicans, which normally form this this group that passes everything, well, there's a line there now. And so when, once you put that line there, if you're going to pass your legislation, you need the votes of the wackos on both sides of the bell curve, which means they get a say in policy, which drags you further to the extremes. And that is, that is the truth of our democracy right now. It is, yeah, and, it is scorched earth shit. And, it is, it is, and, and so we can't do the basic things like enact a, a, a defense budget continuing resolutions with all the bullshit that that entails and, and the way it punishes the DOD. We can't do that because, because of this stupid fucked up game we play in DC. And, and again, I, I remember interviewing Senator Byron Dorgan, Democrat state of New York. And he said, I asked him, what's the biggest change in DC since you got there? He said, you can't compromise. If you compromise, you will have a challenger as an incumbent in your primary in your state. That's, that's the way it's played now. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and just so that, you know, anyone out there that that thinks all I do is sit here and monitor the stock market and, and count my rapidly diminishing wealth, um, <laughs> money is, is more than money, right? We, we have proven that economic downturns lead to bad outcomes for average citizens. Economic downturns, rising unemployment, high inflation – lead to shorten lifespans for people out there and missed opportunity 
uh, for families to succeed, for kids to go to school and expand, for entrepreneurs to achieve things here. Um, and health outcomes very easily correlate with poor economic conditions. And so um, and, and an open it actually matters border, a lot. An open southern border where the local kids can make a fortune boosting um, fentanyl across across yeah. the way. That's a yeah. big local economy driver. No, no. Yeah. And, it's, and that shit don't stop here. Not ever. It goes all inland. Yeah. So um, what are we willing to give up? to support a country that as a whole Americans know nothing about well and here's I'm willing to give me, up the administration let, let me <laughs> let me read very noble of you let me oh and Timmy I got to ask you a question remind me about a okay. comment you made about yesterday about water okay, okay. which is very, which is very funny which made me laugh somebody else made somebody else laugh too they called me last night um what, what would we be willing to do in a fight against one of our great adversaries to destroy them? What would we not be willing to do? Would be a well, question. who is the great adversary? Well, there's two of them, but this is one of the two. Um, yeah, I don't... I, I think that, that Putin is... Um, you know, dangerous person, etc. cetera. Uh, I think Russia is on a down slope as an adversary. All right. Um, All true. They're, they're formidable because they do have 10,000 nuclear weapons. Um, but the damage that they have done to the United States versus the damage that China has done to the United States Not even close. in the last 15 years, Right. But the opportunity, though, is to get to Russia. And will you play the instruments of national power, right? And your economy is one of them. And, and what sacrifice would you exact from the American people in order to maybe, I mean, think about this. Think about if Putin goes. There is no, there is no understudy of Vladimir Putin. There's no Dr. Evil Jr. out there, right? Think about Ukraine then. If he goes you, as a member of NATO and Finland, right, as a member of NATO, you know, and, you know, so, I mean, the world, a more stable place. And NATO, look, NATO is not an offensive organization, okay? And that's they're why— They're offensive, it, but they're not offensive. Yeah, they're yeah. offensive <laughs> in their ineptitude to date. And so um, the, the thought that, you know, the point that Putin made in his, like, accusatory address about NATO— <laughs> Come on, man. NATO can barely defend itself, let alone go on the offensive. But again, it, Russia sans, sans Putin. That's French right there, just so you know. Putin's actually Russian, okay, but sans is French. Yeah. Um, they got a different word for everything. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, is it's a different, and then the impact of that on China? Yeah, so spin it this way. If so we had if that's, if that, my, my point is, is if that's the opportunity that presents itself here. And again, what, what, seven, eight months ago, we were on our ass in Afghanistan with the ascendant Russia and China. And now all of a sudden, right, you see things not going the way they're supposed to. Russia 
future unknown, right? And an American senator calling for somebody to put a bullet in Vladimir Putin's head. And again, I agree with you, Will. Great thing to think. Did I did I say that? Because I just I thought I was just thinking it. I oh no, Senator, you, you said it live on TV. Oh shit, I hate when that happens. So that's my question. What as a nation, relative to our national power, would we be willing to do? Maybe to open the door to a a a new future in Europe. So William, you, you were up. you were assuming, which is I think what Will was going to do, that you've got competent people making reasonable decisions based on intelligence that's been vetted. And I I, I will say no, this no, no, about, no. I'm just saying the interest of natural power much above that. No, the interest in that I, I'm I'm with you, and and clearly the only off ramp anybody can see right now is Putin's gun. Putin's gone in whatever form that takes. He's he's out of the equation. I am still going to insist that we are in grave peril of getting drawn into this thing. And I want to revisit the old attack across the Polish border with some artillery and maybe some ground fire inflicting casualties. Who benefits in that scenario? Putin does. Fuck, he does. Ukraine does. Poland does. Pulling us into this shit, they are direct beneficiaries. Jesus, we left we left how many yeah, billion dollars I, worth I mean, of equipment I think in that's Afghanistan? That's like a little bit of tin hat craziness. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm only pointing out that I just I, you're absolutely right. That is that is complete conjecture. The longer that this thing goes, the more likely an event happens that pulls us unwillingly in this because we don't have leadership at the national level smart enough to extricate ourselves. From something like this. That's all I'm, well, that's all I'm trying, I, I, and, and I'm trying to make. The only point I would make to that is I think they're afraid. I think they would over. I think they would over, <laughs> o, over, overlook and sidestep that. Just if so you Ukraine know. was My going point. down, what would you do if you're Ukrainian? That's exactly what I would do if yeah. I was going down. Yeah, so, I mean, Mac, if, if, if we had sort of a, a sophisticated, thoughtful, um, leadership that could see this and say, uh, this is a disaster, but how do we make it an opportunity? And we, we bandwagon, uh, Europeans and we use it with, uh, India and Philippines and Korea, et cetera, to sort of bandwagon against Chinese. And we use it domestically to, uh, see how, you know, how do you shift supply chain? How do you shift taxes uh, to look at strategic industries like drugs uh, and computers and say that that stuff needs to be home-based? And if we were willing to shift and recognize that green energy is really a pipe dream and stupid, and so let's you know burn old dinosaurs for a while, et cetera, if. So the word there is if, and you remember what the, what the Greeks said to the Persians, the Persians said, if we come, we will destroy your cities and enslave your women, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what the Greeks said? The Greeks said, if. <laughs> oh, they didn't go Snake Island on them? They said, if. <laughs> and so if we had all those things, then this would be we could turn this into an opportunity to fundamentally change the equation uh, and change the relationships with our allies to make them true allies instead of parasites and 
to bolster some potential allies uh, and policy in regard to China and where we should be in the world. Yeah. You name me. Yeah. You name me the three people in Washington D.C. that you trust. Yeah, no. I I don't have them. Larry Curley and Mo. I mean, they're not there. The any what? what I mean, let me just tell you, as a responsible policymaker, um, right? What you're what we're talking about is a conditions based movement in energy, right? And say, okay, we're willing to. We we all think it's a great goal. We're willing to incentivize it, but we're not moving anything until we have the infrastructure to move it. Because when Matt, we, we if, all if, do not think it's a great goal, if we, it's stupid. Well, I, I know, but as a pol- as a policy goal, the utopian thing. Okay, I got it. This is what you want, but you've got to be able to make it real, right? You've got to be able to make it real, and until you can make it real, right, then it's really great that you come down here and, and give us these little pep talks. But it cannot do. Right. And you know what? California's gone down that trail, rolling brownouts, blackouts, Texas, what they did. I mean, come on. It's stupid. It is stupid policy by 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 people that are just shilling that shit just to fucking get elected. And then all of a sudden there's people without power. <laughs> give me a fucking break. You know, give me a fucking break. And, and again, that's what you're looking for. Where are the fucking grownups in all of this? You know, and we don't have them. Right, our selection of grown-ups are Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. I mean, God Almighty, what in the fuck? You know, it's awful. So again, I, you're right. We're doomed. We are doomed. We're fucking doomed. And and don't forget, think of all the people that promised utopia. You just use that word. You know, all the people that promise utopia typically lead to slaughtering hundreds, if not thousands, of their fellow man. Um, So, and they are promising utopia, which will lead to the indirect slaughter of thousands of people. Um, I got asked a question when I ran for city council. um, And uh, actually, I I had to stay up um, and to participate. When you illegally participated in an election (laughs) while still in uniform. If I remember right. Yeah, yes, that's, that's that, that that's an appropriate footnote. <laughs> I did ask my commanding officer. I didn't go to the SJA. I mean, why? I, I never went to an SJA. Why would I go to those fuckers? And, and my CO said, "Yeah, hey, back. I think it's a great idea." And so I did it. So anyway, I stayed up. Uh, I, you, know, you know, I worked at night, so I stayed up during the day to participate in this voter forum. And everybody gets asked this question: How green will you make the city? Right? And I I went last. And it, let me tell you, the first question I got, it was, I got set up in this thing. I didn't know it. I got, I found out later. So <clears throat> I'm on a phone call from, in, I'm in Fallujah, right? At, at Camp Fallujah. And um, so I've never participated in anything like this before. And they're like, well, the, the first question is, is only for one candidate. And um, it's for, um, and I'm running against five other guys for, for a seat on the city council in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's only for uh, Mr. McNamara, Major McNamara. Can, can I add one thing? Because yeah. right now I'm thinking Sam Kennison in that in that old Rodney Dangerfield movie when he goes back to college. Okay, so we'll tee up. We're going to ask Sam Kennison to Vietnam that <laughs> explaining Vietnam. Remember that? No. That's what, I, I, I got that clearly in my mind. So what happened? They said, <clears throat> um, Major McNamara, 
Will you promise the voters of Grand Forks that are considering you as a candidate that if you're elected, you will not go back to Iraq or participate in anything that you would essentially have to leave your duties as a council member? And I thought about it, and I said, well, I have to tell you that, you know, greatest, one of the greatest experiences of my life is, is, is being in the United States Marine. And if, if the reason you would vote for me because I would say I won't, right, then don't vote for me, right? I'd never turn my back on the Marine Corps. I'd never turn my back on the country. I'm here because I got phone calls from somebody who said, will you come help? And I absolutely will. So if that would be your litmus test for me to vote for me, don't vote for me. Vote for one of the other four. And a buddy of mine who was in the audience goes, dude, you should have seen their faces when you, <laughs> the only thing that was missing, right, was yeah. uh, was God Bless America playing in the background. <laughs> he said they were so fucking pissed. Um, but but to the, to the question. Yeah, a, better, of, a better answer. A better answer. But the Sam Kennison thing, you could have started and going, I'm a pair knee deep in gut. Oh, my God. The, um, but the question about how green will you be, you know, and they all, you should hear, you should have heard the bullshit answers they gave. Oh, I said, I start with this. Well, first thing I want you to know is that of all the planets I've lived on, Earth is my favorite, and I believe I'm supposed to be a responsible custodian of it, okay? Now, here's my question for you. How green do you want me to be? Is it okay if I raise your taxes to be greener? Because you know that we pay to recycle, right? Everybody thinks that, oh, you take your bottles and cans down someplace. <laughs> oh, not then, even close. No, we transport our recyclables down to Minneapolis. That takes money. It costs money. So for us to be greener, right, so to have a, uh, a bailing facility at our landfill, to put in all the infrastructure, to put in the drainage system that it takes to store things more efficiently and cleaner in the ground, is it okay if I raise your taxes? And... Right. Would you where would you rank that on new schools, better roads, right? Lowering your taxes. Where would you have me do that? Crickets, crickets, crickets. So in accordance with what the people who elect me tell me where that sits, I'd be more than happy to be as green as you want me to be. But I will tell you this with other competing interests. Right. Most people tell me, like, yeah, it's not the biggest priority I have relative to my property taxes, schools, roads, and infrastructure. Thank you. God bless America. Make it, make, make it green. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean when you, if you try to be a serious policymaker and you look at this finite amount of money that you have and then you look at these bullshit requests, it's not very hard. It's bullshit. They're selling us that we're going to do this, but they don't have the ass to deliver that power. And so we're putting ourselves at risk. Oh, yeah, we're going to pass it anyway. All right. All right. I guess we're going to do this live on TV then. Um, so anyway, what about um, I, I got a couple interesting emails about China calculus um, after our discussion yesterday. Um, any further thoughts as you guys have had that kind of stewing around in your brains, if that spent any time in your brain about the calculus, uh, China's calculus and all this. And then part two of that question is China getting dragged into this and and it's only going to get worse. I mean, I, I saw a headline that says Russia now making war on the civilians of Ukraine. And that's exactly what they're doing. Make no mistake about it. Um, the, the Ukrainian military not surrendering and 
Thank you, Will. That trip into Will's, which is Will's dog's esophagus is not high on my list. <laughs> Such a good-looking dog, too. Hey, you know the dog's name? Will? No. I was Th- Thatcher. Why? Named after, yeah, named after the Iron Lady. So. You named your dog? Who named the dog? How my was- wife did, of course. <laughs> That struck me. Um, Yeah, any other thoughts? Because China's now kind of wedged in and welded to Russia. Uh, Tim was talking about, you know, their their economic support for them. So any evolving thoughts on, you know, China's thoughts vis-a-vis Taiwan and also about the... uh, the way China is 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 kind of stuck with Russia now and getting, you know, getting more and more grief on a daily basis. I I, I go back to what I was what I said yesterday, which is n- not so much the Taiwan's ability to improve their military, but to improve their military psychology, and that that could transform to the people too, and i.e making the military a popular institution in a country where it's not traditionally a popular uh, institution. I don't see how China counters that because China spends a god awful amount of money um, putting out pro-Chinese stuff, such as the, the movies. Some of the movies they put out are quite frankly, technically, they're, they're, they're superb. And it's, and it's almost embarrassing to think uh, that uh, of what Chinese are able to do with just one LPD and a few uh, Chinese Marines, according to these movies and whatnot. I got, I got to think, I think back to Will's experience off of, off of Africa and laugh at some of these movies. But those are all directed at other people to reinforce the image of Chinese, uh, um, the, the Chinese as a great and powerful and unstoppable people. I don't. If Taiwan does what I would do, which is start using this Ukrainian experience to prepare the population, I don't see how I don't see how China can effectively reverse that. And the longer that goes on, the um, the question becomes how bad do they really want Taiwan, because that's that could rapidly slip from the grasp, particularly if Russia gets absolutely hammered eventually over its treatment of the Ukrainian civilians, because. That could be playing out for several weeks into the future, and that's that's going to be grim stuff. I mean, if you go through those Reddit feeds now, um, there's there's a lot more uh, of, of horrific shit on there than there was just a couple of days ago, and that's just going to increase. So, how badly Russia gets hammered, how much Taiwan uses this to their advantage to prepare their country for what we would see as the inevitable. Uh, I, it's it's just hard to forecast that, but I I believe if China really really w- thinks it needs Taiwan, it, I think it's going to need it sooner rather than later, because any any the, any further delay is going to just make them weaker, Taiwan stronger. I think, I think, going forward. Yeah. Well, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I don't think uh, Russia and China are allies by any stretch of the imagination. These are, you know, think two mafia crime families. Convenient, sort of convenient the, bedfellows. Yeah, and I and I don't, I I think uh, that the Chinese are, they're also looking for an angle in this whole thing. I, I don't know Russian military dispositions, but they used to have a huge presence, right, in the Far East, on the border with China. Right. Uh, 
how much of their nuclear arsenal is aimed at the Chinese as opposed to aimed at us? Um, are the Chinese using this to get some sort of leverage? Um, it, they import a significant, I mean, the Chinese are the biggest importer of energy in the world. I think they take a pretty big chunk from Russia. So now are they using this to get Russia to, to make an even bigger shift to feed that Chinese market? And are they able to buy oil at way below market price because Russians can't sell it? I mean, I don't, I don't think they're great friends. I think the Chinese are figuring out a way to benefit from this and are going to try and figure out a way to uh, minimize the damage that their association with Putin is doing. And I think they're also looking at this, um, you know, how serious are they about Taiwan? It, it, and, and it's the thing that mystifies me some is that the Chinese have so much money invested in Taiwan. Uh, and a lot of that is infrastructure. And uh, the idea of a kinetic assault to destroy the things that you're invested in that you built i don't know uh, on an island that's never been part of your country before it just yeah it seems odd and you know you think about the chinese um the chinese demographics Right, the one-child policy means that all the people in the military today are the sole sons of their family, and uh, I don't know. It just it seems weird to me. Um, but then again, I thought it was weird that the idea that Putin was going to invade Ukraine. Yeah, I was dead wrong about that. So what the hell do I know? I'm just another member of the great Almarine family here, Almarine radio family. Well, let me just tell well, you. Confidently that. predicting he wasn't going to cross the line of departure as he was crossing the line of departure. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's I, professional there. <laughs> okay, we will bring up Max's political prognostications. Which one? Which Joe one? Biden will never be president of the United States. That was That's not. A, right. That was too, that was never a reach. Okay, that was never a reach. <laughs> that was like that is like again. I call myself the Socrates of the fruit that's on the ground. Okay, this is Joe Biden never being president. That was not a stretch. Okay, it, it reminded me. Uh, remember in Okinawa when we used to say "Don't curse Buddha" about no. the weather. I've never. Yeah, I've, never would, I've never heard that. Uh, someone would someone would make some comment about the weather and be like, "Hey, don't curse Buddha; he'll he'll bring it on." <laughs> and I was thinking, Mac cursed Buddha and said, "Joe Biden will." Yeah, you know, I struggle it. with my link to the cosmic forces of the world, right? <laughs> I do, especially relative to sports. You know, I think that I ha I can I can impact something by switching a hat, by maybe turning the game off. And uh, and I'm all, I'm, I'm, I I go back and forth on that. I I don't I don't believe I did impact the election. I mean, although one although one never knows, one never knows. Yeah, you don't you don't know how many times you voted in your state, so you <laughs> yeah. or uh, in your it, former states. It, it does, yeah, exactly. No shit. I'm not sure it matters. 
Um, it's Friday. What are you reading? Uh, Tim, what are you reading? Funny you should ask that. Coyote oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, yesterday, we were talking about foraging in the basic school, and and <laughs> and I said, you know, once the water gets shut off, you're going down to those streams, and you know, you're you're taking water out out of out of, out of streams, and Tim very dryly said that always works out well. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Explain what you meant by that. Well, Tim's had Giardia Lambia, and I know exactly what that's like. That's what you drink when you when you drink like uh, stream water that you don't filter or put enough of your stupid uh, iodine tablets in. No, the, the, the number one killer of militaries prior to what? World War One was disease from drinking shit water and getting sick. I mean, that's exactly not only Giardia Lambia, which is a which is a serious ass parasite. And 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 that stuff is all over Northern Virginia. Trust me on that, because I used to be a lab tech at Bethesda and would do stool samples and find it all the fucking time in Marines from Quantico that were drinking that damn stream water. And and so this living off the land thing, which 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 is has a cachet in certain circles, is only something people who have never tried to live off the land would would recommend, because that's no way to live. You don't want to be one of these people who can go ahead and have a full life with intestinal parasites sharing that life with you. That's not a way of having quality of life years, as the British uh, Health Service would point out. So yeah, I dryly point that out because foraging, foraging is something that's always you. It, it's just not a practical thing to try to teach people because I've been in those damn jungle schools and been out there for days where we foraged and I didn't get sick because I wasn't stupid. But uh, and me did, and old. And didn't eat anything. Wow. Hey, so so how would you describe um, the American and Northern European immune system? Would you would you I, say and and you would say at one end of the spectrum, you have. Um, the kids no 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 the kids who used to dive in shit river in the uh, philippines uh, right and then you have on the other hand you would have i don't know somebody who's got the most frail immune system in the world so that's the spectrum yeah. where would you put yeah. north american immune system way up towards the frail part of it and i don't know the mortality of shit river kids but i know that in afghanistan they didn't even name kids there three because they wanted to see how far they make it they figured once they're five they're going to be good to go. That's how bad infant mortality was in the rural parts of Afghanistan I was living in. So those are people who have, this is very interesting too, because it's one of my sociology things, a very high parasite stress load and a sociologist that will that, will, that can correlate human behavior to amount of parasite stress within the environment of the humans that are living there. There you go. Parasite stress theory explains a lot of he more human behavior than a lot of the other more pedestrian theories, which leads me to the book I'm reading. <laughs> I know this is like I, I know I practice this stuff in, in the shower. Coyote, Coyote America by Dan Flores. Coyotes being the most like us being the animals that can evolve no matter what, despite a 70-year effort by American Wildlife Service of carpet bombing, bombing the West with millions of bait traps, millions, killing scores of coyotes. Coyotes have, have, are, are still everywhere. And after a multi-billion dollar effort to try to save the native red wolf of the southern uh, uh, United States, 
We've come to find out because of modern genetics that they were fucking coyote hybrids the entire time. Millions of dollars spent to try to keep a pure red wolf, but there's no such thing as a red wolf. They're a coyote hybrid from the Great Lake wolves. So the coyotes have a very high parasite stress tolerance because they survive. They're survivors. And I'm just all all happy, Wait, happy about losing about coyotes. You just cross-polarized the, the parasite index with the coyotes? Coyotes can handle high loads hate of parasite coyotes. stress. They're the worst, man. I, I see them. They're I, the most special animals in the world. They're magical, according to the Indians. You need to fucking improve yeah, your thinking. You're fuck, back in a 1950s well, trap. I mean, they they're like great pet eaters here in Orange County, and they they are they, not. Two percent of their diet in Orange County is pets. Two percent at best. Okay, they're look, rodent killers. They're what? They're rodent killers. They're big-time rodent killers. Shut and up. They don't go after pets. Like, what There's only the like fuck? a few colonies that went after a bunch of uh, geese look, in, in Great Lakes. Here on Mag- I think Hollywood had a cat. Here on Magellan. Couple. Here on Magellan Street, I had a coyote attack um, my dog while I was walking it in San Diego County. We were walking yeah. at, at the bottom of a cul-de-sac. It was wooded, and you know we kind of walk off the 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 path and and jack's fucking that doesn't make him jack's, a bad man jack's fucking it's around a and i saw something out of the corner of my eye and i looked and and, and and there was nothing there and you know and he circles around behind me and jack's fucking around and all of a sudden out of out of this fucking bush this coyote tries to eat my dog yeah well that's why you always need a can of beer in your back pocket so you can wing it at no fuck things. no man i booted this motherfucker <laughs> right he had jack's head in his mouth Right. Yeah. I booted him in the ribs and he went, he went rolling down this hill and then I, I, I was pissed. Right. So it's post deployment one. So I had a little anger in me. So I go running hey. down the hill and he gets up and he take, and you know, those things, man, they're like snakes. They slow, slow their way. And so then now I'm pissed. Jack's pissed too. He almost got his head eaten. And, um, <laughs> so we continue the walk and guess who comes back stalking us? The fucking coyote. Who was the first American to start portraying the coyote sympathetically in an attempt to educate America about this noble beast? Who was it? it I will. I'll, I'll, Mark, I will answer Mark, the question. Mark Twain. Walt Disney. You started out talking what? about a Disney movie that wasn't a Disney movie. Yeah. Oh, what are you talking about? There were several Walt Disney movies came out in the 60s about the, the coyote that goes to Hollywood, the coyote that escapes back into the wild, the big city coyotes, the country coyotes. Come on, bro. I don't Walt remember any of that fan. shit. You're making That's shit up. Not according to coyote. It is a America. podcast. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> are no, you going podcast? I don't, I don't remember one fucking Disney movie devoted not, to a fucking me coyote. Me neither. But Coyote America says it's true. We were a Fuck little bit Coyote too America. Those fucking and communists. Man, I, I'm just. I'm trying. I'm trying to just tie in parasite stress theory to coyotes to what I was reading. I'll tell you right now. This book. I'm not that interested actually because the guys are a little carried away with the coyotes. <laughs> But some of the shit that's in Hold on, let me let me explain to everybody um shit river reference. Okay. Oh, yeah, when, when you when you went from Subic Naval Station uh into the city of Olongapo, right, which was I don't know if it's Sodom or Gomorrah or a combination of both on steroids, but it, that's what it was. Um you crossed uh you went through the gate and the gate had a chalkboard on it. On the chalkboard was were names of deserters that went back to Vietnam. Nineteen sixty seven, Larry, you know Bonificio, 
date UA, date deserted, captured blank. And so you're looking at it going, holy shit, man. So you walk out and then you walk across this bridge over a river that was called Shit River, right? Um, Factually, the name factually based, uh, raw sewage, right? (laughs) And, um, And you have these little kids that would be down in what are known as what, bonka boats, right? So just little boats in the river. And you had, I don't want to discriminate against my service, but you had military members uh, that would throw money into the water. And the kids would dive in the water and fucking get the money. And that was, I mean, and you look at it like, what is their immune system like? Hey, but the, the shit and shit river did not come from the Navy base. The Navy base cleaned their, their sewage up to, to U.S. standards. You know what? If, There's not too many noble things you've done for the United States Navy since you became a podcast expert. Yeah. That might be the first, though. Congratulations. Well, I was in environmental health business, too, you know. That's how I got ashore to Beirut. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I just want to make that perfectly clear. The water that no, goes in I mean, most comes nations, out is cleaner than it goes in. I mean, the Euphrates River, one of the most beautiful rivers you'll ever see in your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you stay, <laughs> stay, out, stay out of the Euphrates. Not too fragrant, fragrant would be gentle. Okay, yeah. and that's how, but that's how the, a lot of the rest of the world does it, right? That's what it's for, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess one of the reasons. Will, what are you reading? Uh, last week, I read a book called "Liberty or Death" by the French Revolution. Peter McPhee. I have read almost nothing about the French Revolution, and I felt ignorant. And I thought the book was really good because I could not figure out his bias. So I oh. think it was pretty straight down the line. Um, what, Liberty give, or death. French. Give, give us, uh, what did you learn about the French Revolution? Um, j- just sort of the, you know, we think of, oh, the American Revolution, the French Revolution. The French Revolution was much more of a civil war in many ways. They got rid of the monarchy, but then they sort of broke down into royalist, uh, wacko, almost communist, and all kinds of people in between. France also in 1789 when the revolution kicked off really wasn't a country. They spoke 60 different dialects, some of them totally unrelated to French. They had different laws throughout the whole country, different taxes uh, based on the feudal system as it had evolved through time. Um, so it, it's it's not as simple as, oh, let them eat cake, so we cut their head off, and everyone, you know, cheered on uh, uh, liberty, fraternity, et cetera. Um, and the, the other thing that you really learn about it is that this thing was so deep that every person in France had to make a choice. You know, which side are you going to be on? Political choices were forced upon people um, under the threat of death in many ways. Uh, so it was it was well worth it. It was not a... I read it on Kindle, so I couldn't tell you how big the book was. Probably 400-odd pages. But I thought really well done. Liberty or Death, The French Revolution, Peter McPhee. Now I'm reading a book called Under a Wild Sky. It's about Audubon. 
um, by a guy named William Souter, S-O-U-D-E-R. It's about John James Audubon, who I didn't know. Big Coyote French. (laughs) (laughs) He was French. And he slaughtered wildlife on par with Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and what, but and it's the first great naturalist, right? Yeah, the, yeah. It, I mean, you, he's, uh, you do not see a subtitle as great wildlife slaughterer, just just for the record. <laughs> Nor do you see, and oh, by the way, coyote lover. You don't see either one of those on, <laughs> underneath yeah, just, Audubon's name. This is a good book because it sort of traces, I'm only about halfway into it, it traces Audubon's career and how he got into, you know, drawing birds and everything, but also uh, the frontier in the time period 1800 to 1810 or so right now. You know, he lived in Louisville, Kentucky uh, in 1807 <laughs> kind of a thing. So it's, uh, yeah, in fact, they just got to 1812. 1807, was, that's like Louisiana Purchase uh, Yeah, he, he, was, he was just about to go to New Orleans and start a business when the War of 1812 broke out, so he didn't go. So that's where I am in the book. So, so we didn't see Andy uh, Jackson whooping on the Brits down at uh, Made Famous no, by he's, uh, Yul Brenner in the movie The Buccaneer? He's sort of a goofball who wanders around in the woods shooting birds all throughout. And he that's, he goes on That's epic not his legacy, journeys. Will. That's not his legacy. He goes on epic journeys like, what where, like, he walks from <laughs> Philadelphia— to Niagara Falls in the wintertime. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. He walks it. Why are there elements of mental instability creeping in? <laughs> well, <laughs> precisely. Who was his uh, biographer, was... Churchill? History will be kind to me. I know, because <laughs> I, I will write it. <laughs> right? I mean, so, come on. <laughs> and there's also some conflict coming up, because oh. part of the book is about a guy named Wilson, I think, who also was a bird drawer. So somehow these two are going to intertwine in the later stage of the book. But anyhow, Under a Wild Sky. Got it. William Souter, S-O-U-D-E-R. What do you— uh, I can predict I can predict what Mac is reading. Nothing. No, so. I, read, I, I read vicariously through you. <laughs> That's how I read. I, what, what, what major, if you're reading vicariously, you'd love the coyote. What I do. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely do. No, but if I read vicariously, I don't form opinions vicariously. Which I found is a bad, <laughs> which is a bad habit. Okay, I, I still reserve the right to maintain my own opinion, although I read vicariously through you fools. Um, wh- the next twenty-four hours, uh, what are you? What are you looking to observe? Um, anything you 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 have your eye on relative to the Russia-Ukraine conflict as we end this thing? I would just say, you know, the news cycle in the U.S. slows down over the weekend. I don't think we're going to see a lot of political um, people out there. Uh, Sunday morning shows will be interesting if you're into that kind of crap. Uh, I'll just read the headlines later. We'll see who they get on there. See if, uh, like, Blinken or Lloyd Austin uh, get on the Sunday shows um, or... For great theater, maybe Kamala will get on the Sunday show. Uh, um, I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, she's ready for that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so, so either. That's a little obviously. bit of a liability. Um, <clears throat> so now, I, we'll I, see I, if I, any of that comes. I, I would hope that somebody they would trot somebody out to explain the not so nuanced 
reality of nuclear weapons. You know? Like, and, you know, all this angst over, you know, oh, we need to do something. Do you not understand the physics of him taking a tactical nuke and destroying a town of, a town of about 100,000 people as a warning to everybody? And do you not think he'll do that? That's what you have to, you know. So I, I, I wish it would get somebody on to explain that. Timothy, what are you looking for in the next 24 hours? Well, I've been looking to see uh, if the capital was going to fall. And, of course, that's that's still relevant. I, I think I'm shifting my attention to uh, the one thing we don't really know much about, which is the Ukrainian armed forces. Like I've said at the very beginning, as long as they exist, that's that should be the Russians' target. May well be the Russians' target, for all we know. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll learn more about the Ukrainian armed forces and get some sense of what's really happening uh, between them and the Russians. Because right now, all, all you've got is, is, is obscure video that you don't know what you're looking at half the time. And, uh, you know, doesn't look good for the Russians, which is great, but I'd, I'd, I'd be much more interested in solid reporting about the Ukrainian armed forces from somebody that knows what the fuck they're looking at. Yeah, there's. I mean, that doesn't exist right now, right? I mean, uh, you don't. Yeah, see, they had, you they don't had see any. Marines. You don't see any that, reporters embedded with Ukrainian forces. No, no. who was right that New York Times thing? guy, the former Marine that was embedded so many times? I, I, I forget. I, I forget his name, but he was excellent. He was. But they, but they were embedded with us. I mean, uh, that's. Yeah, an, they were embedded with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah, embedded with with you guys. That's and, that's and, a that's a easy embed, right? Now you're well, you, now you're I'm talking about is, risking your life. How yeah. bad? No, no. He how would, bad he would you go with the uh, Afghan units, and he was always collecting. Yeah, but we were ammunition. always hovering in. You know. That's true. He wasn't. He wasn't out and about like uh, like Baba T. That's true. Yeah, that, like that, that took a different yeah. kind of cat. You know, I'm I'm interested to see, um, you know, the whole impact of the stingers that have been sent to there, and the impact of the javelins that have been sent, and if the Ukrainian military can continue to destroy you know, the logistics capability, and then keep the air arm of the Russian military at bay. And if they can do that, um, then this thing's going nowhere. You're going to see more of what we've seen in the last couple of days, which is um, Russia assaulting, you know, Ukrainian civilians and doing stupid shit like shelling, you know, Holocaust memorials and things like that. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's the, so you're going to see the siege of the Ukraine. And the question is, does the Russian military have the ass, uh, and, and, and where these weapons are coming from, if they're getting there, can they amount any form of counterattack, you know, to, to deliver blows to the, the Russian military? The next question is the logistics of the Russian military evidently are shitty. Right. So do, do they do they have I mean, now they're, you know, their forces around Kiev. Right. That's a lot of ground they have to cover to do that. Right. If the stinger takes away the air resupply, you know, option and it ha all has to go ground. That means that it's probably not going to work out so good because Russia because the, the Ukrainians will be will impact that. So I, I, I'm looking to see the if there's any stories about, you know, anti-armor, anti-air threat, Im you know, impact to the Russian ability to operate. And so, so anyway. That's yeah, that stalled that convoy has got to be like a dead whale attracting sharks. There's got to be little oh bands God. of Ukrainians feeding on that son of a bitch 24-7, you would think. No, I mean, we, 
and Will would would be able to speak this best, but I mean, you would get stopped in uh, when we got to Iraq in 2004, when Al Anbar exploded. Uh, we had no mechanism to track convoys in the battle space, and and the craziness that would happen. I mean, and mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll experience this out west, but it, it would be nonstop. It was, you know, you had army transcom trucks ripping into firm bases. You know, drivers, young soldiers, dry, hopping out with their M16, like what? The and an iridium going, oh, we need your help. Like, well, what's going on? Well, there's four trucks on fire. I'm the only one that got away. You know, you're like, what the fuck? So, so we had to, there was a lieutenant colonel named Fitzgerald, and he's a logistician guy, and he organized this whole wagon wheel, kind of like setting up trains running through the AO. You know how they would move, who they checked in with, and I mean it was, um, and there was effort on the part of guys like Will, you know, to make sure they monitored, you know, the the routes people were going on, the route clearance teams that got out there every day and and did their shit, um, and so and that was that was sustainment, right? That, that our the, shit could get through. That's the initiative we expect from from mid level mid level leaders. I mean, that's, that kind of initiative is is what you'd expect to see somebody step up. Right. Always nice to see you guys step up. I don't think the Russians worked that way. Yeah, no, I, I don't think right. they got lieutenant colonels who are going to take it upon themselves to unfuck something that they're really not directly responsible for. No, nope. probably right. Yeah, probably right. Yeah. But, but so I mean, it's I'm interested to see if anything breaks squelch um, that would show those capabilities are beginning to make a difference. Uh, which would be, yeah. I think, inspirational for the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian people. Um, and I also think that that thing that we talked about the other day, some small do-little event, you know, are there enough Ukrainian citizens, people, in the Moscow area to do something, you know, to do something that does something, right? And it doesn't have to be much, but, you know, that inflicts damage, it inflicts harm to the Russian military, and uh, gets recorded and, and distributed. So um, those things are important early on. So anyway. All right, boys. Thank you very much for the visit. We'll talk to you. Yeah. All right, brother. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye-bye. Yeah. That'll do it on this Friday. My thanks to uh, Tim Lynch, to Will Costantini, and Jeff Kinney, um, traveling, so was not able to join us, but was with us in spirit, as he always is. Um, have a good weekend. Keep the Ukrainian people in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, what they are going to endure is going to get worse. And let's hope uh, the free nations of the world figure out how to bring even more pressure on the nation of Russian and the, Russia, the Russian people, and ultimately to Vladimir Putin. So I think that's important. Uh, if I can help you, if I can help you help somebody else, let me know. All the contact information here comes to me, and I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, I'm headed to Germany, I think, Monday, so you may or may not. I'll do something that will appear Monday morning. So hopefully these things will continue and we will do something over the weekend. Got to talk to my friends and see what they can support. But uh, we'll continue to explain things the best we can and give our thoughts on them.
Um, I think it's helpful. The email I get says it's helpful. Thank you. So with that said, have a great weekend. I'm out.